It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the National Security Hour. I'm Ed Huglin, your host for today, and I'm joined by two key co-hosts, Mary Fanning and Major General Retired Paul Valley. Today, we also have our guest, Colonel Retired Rob Manis. Now, we had a prior episode with the three uh, of us, or the four of us, and we talked about the problem set facing America coming up here in the 2024 elections in the roundtable. Now, in this episode, we're going to continue that roundtable to talk about what are some of the potential solutions that our Congress, our president, new president, and others can have to focus on? And in, in lieu of our Congress and president, what can the states do? And what must the states stand up to do to keep our constitutional government? So let me reintroduce our co-host for today. Mary Fanning is the executive producer for the NASA Security Hour on America Outlawed Top Radio Network. He's also an investigative journalist at the American Report covering national security issues. Major General Retired Paul Valley is a regular on the NASA Security Hour, but also many other programs. Major General Valley's last assignment was Deputy Commanding General, U.S. Army Pacific in Honolulu, Hawaii. The General has had a stellar career 32 years in the Army after graduating from West Point. And finally, our guest today, General Retired Bob Manis, a U.S. Air Force veteran, also with 32 years of, of experience in the uniform, starting off as an enlisted EOD expert, then moving on to a variety of leadership positions, including B-1 Squadron Commander, a Wing Commander in Nuclear Operations, and he's also a 9-11 survivor, as well as a former U.S. Senate candidate and host of the Rob Manis Show. As we talked in the last episode, everyone, we talked through a lot of different problems facing America to highlight the perils facing this country, and we're on the brink, the precipice of moving from a constitutional government to a despotic, tyrannical government. So let's start to focus on some of the different potential solutions we can talk through here today. Let's start globally. In the global realms, we have three major, what I call shift holes, as in Adam Schiff. I think, you know, it's appropriate to use in a cognitive warfare stance this gentleman's name. With the shift holes we have in Ukraine, what's going on in Israel and China, let's, let's take a look at what we have in terms of potential solutions and where we should be going from here. Let's start with Major General Valet and on Ukraine issue. Sir, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts and what we need to focus on, the next president needs to focus on to clean this mess up? Well, I think it will be cleaned up before the next president uh, to a great degree. Uh, Putin will get his way. He'll retain uh, the eastern provinces uh, that are mainly Russian and supportive of Russia. Zelensky will be on his way out. Uh, Europe uh, is in decline as well as NATO. I'm not sure we're going to see NATO uh, anymore as to what it was in the beginning. Maybe there's no reason to have it anymore. I'm not sure. Uh, but we see uh, failing nations and we see Russia getting stronger and China. And so we see a whole new alliance uh, being formed called the Eastern Alliance with BRICS, uh, which is the new uh, monetary alliance of now almost, I guess, almost up to 40 countries, including a lot from Africa. So you have a lot of uh, in international things happening out there. And uh, I would say uh, as far as the Ukraine situation, uh, uh, 
I mean, it could be done in the next couple months. I know the Ukrainians are still fighting, uh, but uh, that's really to no end. Uh, and I don't understand why Putin hasn't cleaned up that whole thing uh, earlier. I, I suspect uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in his generals, but uh, but uh, Ukraine is uh, absolutely being defeated. Uh, they will not last. No, you're, you're absolutely right, Paul. You know, you and I have talked about this before also. As long as Putin remains in power, there is no way in hell <laughs> they're going to resolve this in favor of Ukraine. But let me go to uh, Rob Madison and to Mary Fanny for their thoughts in terms of what's going on in Ukraine and how you think the next administration should handle this if it's not resolved beforehand, as Paul had said. Well, I agree Rob? with General Bally. Ed. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think that uh, Russia is going to end it uh, uh, one way or the other, and they, and they have the capability to do that. You know, I don't think they ever intended to uh, keep all of Ukraine uh, quite honestly, after we've seen how how the facts have played out over the last two years, uh, and, and I certainly don't think they're capable of uh, through conventional forces invading Western Europe or any of the other NATO countries, uh, uh, other than to do a raid or, or something like that or temporarily occupy a town. That's, that's uh, all Western kind of propaganda, Rob. I know. <laughs> propaganda. That's why I'm pointing it out. So uh, unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, we've killed a lot of Ukrainian kids, uh, and not just kids, but older people too, uh, not to mention the civilian casualties and those kind of things. So I think it'll end before the next administration. Uh, but when that administration does come in, uh, and I'm banking on it being a Trump administration, I think he's going to win, uh, uh, unless there's some kind of shooting civil war here, uh, I think he's going to be able to do it because people are just really motivated to get out there and overwhelm any fraud that's left over uh, uh, through the voting system. But uh, anyway, uh, I think that what they've got to do is is get it settled that NATO is, if it continues to exist, is a defensive alliance again. You know, when we took NATO offensive in the former Yugoslavia, uh, and, then, and then again in Libya, and then again in, in, uh, uh, in Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, that was that destroyed the moral high ground that the NATO that won the helped win the Cold War and deterred the Soviet Union from rolling across the fold of gap. Okay, uh, and all of those lines that we all know well, uh, that NATO is gone. It's been destroyed. So its existence now is aggressive. Just. Uh, just its existence is aggressive, and it's making aggressive moves by us allowing Finland, Sweden, uh, uh, and those kind of folks to become members, uh, you know, and, tr and still trying to say that Ukraine might become a member, which is what kicked all this off in the first place uh, and would have stopped it had, had somebody with power just said, Ukraine's never going to be part of NATO. Uh, that would not be the right thing to do because Russia has a, has a say in this, uh, you know, so... Uh, so I think that's the, the number one issue uh, that the next administration needs to handle, unless NATO gets dismantled uh, before that happens. But I don't see it happen. There's a lot of institutional inertia opposed to that and Western propaganda. <laughs> I should say U.S. propaganda, because I don't think the majority of the European Western countries really want NATO uh, no. in the form that it is today. Well, what, what's interesting, Rob? Rob, what's interesting is the new scenario that uh, they're out, they're laying out there that Putin wants to take Europe now, so therefore we have to be stronger. We're going to need more money. 
and Putin has no desire to do that. That's all misinformation uh, by the Western media and trying to stabilize, I think, NATO to some degree. But, See, we've, for, we've forgotten General Lee Butler, the last SYNCSAC Strategic Air Command commander, uh, and, and what he said when he after he made a trip into and landed at a Soviet airfield and then came back. Uh, and what he said was, I was amazed at how much grass was growing up through the concrete and how inept that this force was, this air force that I was able to see was, that we had been and continue at that time, continue to spend billions of dollars uh, to be ready to destroy. Uh, and uh, that is the issue, okay, right there. Because Russia, he, it may have improved its facilities, infrastructure, and armed forces, but it's so very small from an economic perspective uh, and, and those kind of things. It just doesn't have the capability that the Soviet Union would have had uh, uh, or the ability to overcome uh, what's left of its uh, weak infrastructure. And there's a lot of it because there's a lot more weak infrastructure that's o left over from the Soviet Union than there is of anything new uh, from a military perspective. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, Russia's stronger now than they've ever been uh, yeah. as far as their economy and working with the Chinese and the new alliance, their their capacity in manufacturing and a lot of different things. Uh, so uh, Ru Russia uh, also uh, has more cash in the bank because the, they've been buying up gold like mad. Uh, yep. as, as you probably have read. So. I should clarify that. I'm talking about the Russia before our ineptness right, yeah. created yeah. this alliance yeah, with no, China, both military and economically and the rest so, of, so let me, of the So let me leverage off of nation. both your points here, because as we go to Mary, because what you're highlighting is out of this whole debacle here, it's Russia and China who have been strengthened. All right. So I believe we had a maturing president before he was even elected based on his son Hunter's and his cabal and, and dealings with those the Chinese and Russians. And you could see, as we look back to the Obama administration and then Biden administration, the two invasions from Russia occurred when? When they were in power. So from my own standpoint, being an old, old Soviet guy, also an intelligence analyst, I think this is pre-stage, pre-set to not only embolden and strengthen China and Russia, but to severely weaken NATO and the United States overall. And make them look inept. But but Mary, let's go to you and see what your th thoughts on this are. What, what do you think we should be doing to fix this situation? <laughs> I think they should be on trial for treason. And I couldn't agree more with you. We had two Manchurian presidents, Barack Obama and Joe Biden. And one of the things that are so disturbing. So, yes, maybe the Soviets, the Russians could not have put this together. But Hillary Clinton, working with Medvedev, moved Silicon Valley over to Skolkovo, they took the creme de la creme of our technology, and it has multiple Russian, excuse me, military applications. They moved Silicon Valley into outside of Moscow, Skolkovo. The, the, that act alone, what they did for Ru the Russians, what they handed them, what we have built for generations, Hillary Clinton was behind that. The Great Reset was a great theft from the United States of America, just like the Chinese do with everything that they have built up with their economy is from $260 billion to $600 billion worth of theft of technology every year from the United States. And that has to stop. So what's, what's interesting here, and, and my perspective on this, when I talk about cognitive war for Rob, 
cognitive war entails the use of ideology, whether it's communism, Marxism, theocracy, etc., religion, radical Islam, or, or in, in the case of the United States, the the uh, the painting of Christians and Christian right as the radicals, or issues. So ideology, religion, or issues, transgender and other stuff to to drive to drive their agendas. Because as we know, no one truly believes in communism. Not she. Not Putin. Or anyone. So they use these different ways in their strategy to achieve their end objectives. And what we haven't learned in the United States, from my perspective, is if we look at the global problems we're facing here, is this is predominantly a cognitive war, not a kinetic war. And we're being played for fools. We haven't won a war since World War II, have not won a war since World War II, less the Korean War with the stalemate. Now, let me clarify what I mean. Yes, we've won the kinetic battles. But we have not won one single war cognitively to change the dynamics of the situation culturally or cognitively in those countries, whether it's Afghanistan 20 years playing whack-a-mole and having cognitive dissonance or any of the other efforts we had in Iraq or others. And what we see here now is China and Xi and the others realizing, as the Chinese wrote unrestricted warfare over 25 years ago, They can't take the United States head-on directly. So what are they doing? It's as we talked about in our first segment. They're subverting the United States by infiltrating it, and concurrently at the same time, they're setting these different battle stages up here. So we have the Ukraine, and they played us for fools. They spent a lot of our treasure, and they've disemboweled NATO, basically. Now let's go to Israel and what's happened in Israel. From my perspective, and I'll go to each of you on this, from my perspective, Hamas has already won that war. Why? Because it doesn't matter if they slaughter the whole command. They've spent two decades there indoctrinating legions and legions that will take their place. One. Two, they've gotten massive recruiting out of this last the, the, uh, 7 October attack. And three, they've gotten hundreds of millions of dollars in new investment. And why? Because the one free state in the middle of Africa there in the Middle East, the one free state is surrounded by despot states. And so how do they then get and you get the United States to then spend more ordinance, spend more time, spend more money and distract us? They take and attack Israel. But what was the other reason in my mind is also distract, distract us from Biden's abysmal failure. And in both cases, they now succeed. So let me go back to Mary, start with you, and then Rob and Paul. What are your thoughts in terms of the situation in Israel and what we should be doing next? I think it goes directly back to Barack Obama's JPOC deal. Now, what in God's name were we funding Iran in that deal with billions? What's taken place now is is what the, um, the gates of hell were opened under Barack Obama. Who do you think is, is funding Hamas? That goes right back to the Iran deal. And Joe Biden, immediately as he came in, he he went right back to that deal. Uh, In what way would you go and fund Iran? Why is that especially important? Well, because they hid, Barack Obama and Joe Biden hid the fact that when our people at Benghazi were killed, they knew darn well that it was Iran and the Quds Force led by General Soleimani. So as they killed our people at Benghazi, They continue to fund the Iran deal and fund Iran. And only when President Trump came into office and took out 
General Soleimani. And we exposed that Soleimani led that raid on Benghazi. The Iranian Soleimani led the raid on Benghazi and killed our people. Only Donald Trump stood up for America and took out Soleimani. Oh, thanks, Mary. We're going to come back to Rob and Paul on the same question in just a second here. But as we go to break, remember for our listeners that all of our shows go to podcasts typically a day after broadcast is heard here on the talk radio network. You can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcast, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate our shows on the Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we'll be right back. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out americaoutloud.shop, look for ASEA Cell Signaling Molecules Liquid Supplement, and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let Nurses Out Loud hear how your health has improved. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back to the NAS Security Hour. With me today are our guest, Rob Manis, and the two co-hosts, Mary Fanning and Major General Retired Paul Valley. As we left on break, we are talking about global problems and addressing what the U.S. should be doing. So we're talking about Israel. Let's go to Rob and see what his thoughts are on the whole situation in Israel. Well, number one, the Gaza uh, attack, you know, the Holocaust attack on October 7th would never have happened under a Trump administration because Iran was so weak uh, uh, because, uh, you know, the maximum pressure campaign that uh, Mr. Trump had used. Uh, uh, there's no way that they could have uh, seen, a, uh, made a risk evaluation and, and come up down on the side of, yeah, we ought to have our people go do this. Uh, uh, so that's number one. Uh, and that gets to the weakness that's sitting in the Oval Office right now of, of this person that's occupying it. Uh, uh, you know, Mary called him a Manchurian president. Uh, you know, it's more than Manchurian president. 
He is a president that's been installed in order to further and continue and hopefully weaken the United States so much that anybody that follows him will not be able to deter at the strategic level uh, any nation uh, like China uh, as it rises to become our complete and utter peer. And they're almost there, folks. They're finishing out, building out their nuclear weapon systems and their nuclear forces Right now, as I speak, uh, their triad system, their ICBMs, their SLBMs, uh, their uh, their uh, air delivered ordnance, nuclear ordnance, they're building it out. Uh, they professionalize their armed forces. And this president was installed in order to keep the United States from being able to address this. And look what's happening around the Israel war. Uh, people are trying to get Israel not to not to demand unconditional surrender of Hamas after it conducted a Holocaust attack on babies and women and children uh, and old people and those kind of things. Uh, it's crazy to expect us not to let have Israel achieve unconditional surrender of Hamas and completely destroy it, number one. Number two, look, I'm not a big fan of us sending money to Israel because they don't need it. Uh, but I'm a big fan of them buying our, our weapon systems and everything. Uh, so we ought to keep that channel open. But Joe Biden is threatening to shut it down, for God's sake. All right. And then what happens with this war that's been put on now by the Iranians? Well, all the Iranian militias are shooting at American forces. And their main militia, the Houthis in Yemen, are now shooting at international shipping. We've had to put a carrier task force and, and get the NATO allies energized and other coalition allies energized to go take care of the Red Sea international shipping lanes. Uh, and what's the worst part about it is? All of that is continuing to happen and grow because Joe Biden, the installed president of the United States, is so bad that he won't turn them, our military loose on the forces that are attacking our own people to the level that's big enough where we reestablish deterrence. We have lost deterrence in Russia, in Europe, because that's what happened with Russia. We've now lost deterrence in the Middle East. Completely, and this is not just about Israel. The worst part is that American deterrence has been lost there, and we're on the verge of losing deterrence uh, in the Pacific as China is licking its chops and salivating over taking Taiwan because we know they want it. They know they're going to get it. Uh, they know that they want to get it at some point. Uh, and don't be surprised if they attack before the next president can get installed. We'll know soon because they got to have their stuff going by April in order to achieve any type of boots on the ground and amphibious invasion uh, capability uh, as beachheads in Taiwan by the by the rainy season in June. So we'll know soon if they're going to do it beforehand. But my bet is that they are going to do it because we're so weak and they don't want Donald Trump to be in the office in order to stop them. I'll come back to that second, but Paul, let's get your thoughts on, on Israel, what's happening in Israel. Well, I don't think I can say it any better than uh, Rob has uh, uh, said it in covering all of that. Uh, uh, Netanyahu will continue to pursue, uh, pursue the destruction uh, of, of, of the nest in Gaza. There will be no two-state solution. I can analyze that and tell you that's almost impossible. It won't happen. Uh, Iran will continue to... Uh, 
accelerated support of the Houthis uh, in Yemen. Uh, uh, they'll continue to uh, do the same with Hezbollah uh, in southern Lebanon. And uh, the Israelis, uh, you know, they've lost a lot of equipment. They had 22 uh, killed yesterday uh, in, a, uh, uh, in a building that was set to be blown up. Uh, so they're taking their casualties right now. Uh, but uh, uh, it's on fire over there. And uh, we don't have the leadership to affect any kind of reasonable uh, conclusion. And so uh, I'm not sure, Rob, you're familiar with the three-phase plan of uh, Israel uh, to take out Iran. But the first phase, and I'm a little dated on it, but the first phase to send their jets in and neutralize with lasers all the computers that operate the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. Uh, they'll zap them all. That's part of the plan. The second plan is... Uh, uh, a, a force to come in by air that will knock out the installations, command and control, uh, port facilities, missile facilities, and then the third phase is cleanup operation. So the Israelis are prepared to do that. They're also prepared to use their nukes if they have to. So uh, it's not a good situation right now. I'm not sure what's going to happen at all. So, so let me toss a, a thought on the table here, because it relates to first uh, Israel and then to, to China. You know, the reason Paul and, and Rob and Mary are spot on is because we do have a Manchurian president. He's compromised. So every single action you've seen him take since he's been in office has been to undermine and subvert America, our constitutional democracy, and enable China, Russia, Iran, and his allies, not ours, his allies, his puppet masters, which is just abysmal. What is common to all of these different occurrences right now, China, Israel, and Ukraine, is the United States is always in a perpetual reactive posture. We got to pull our heads out of our Pelosi, okay, and take a look at what we really need to do to move to a proactive posture. So I'm going to make two suggestions here. For Israel, I've recommended this prior on the NASA Security Hour. I'll recommend it here again. Israel needs to move to a one-state solution. Well, why is that? Because the two-state solution was a ruse. It's been a ruse for 60 years to subvert, disarm, and upset Israel. Okay? And how do we know this? Because just take a look at two countries, Saudi Arabia and Qatar. They just signed a peace agreement with Netanyahu a few days before the 7 October attacks. Two days after the 7 October attacks or a day after, they were praising Hamas. Okay? It's a complete ruse. So Israel should move to a one-state solution, annex Gaza, annex the West Bank, and then go on a cognitive warfare offensive against all the despotic leaders in that region, and the United States should stand with them. Okay, that's one. Two, for China. I do believe we need to have a one-China policy, but slight differentiation for our next president that comes in after we get rid of the Manchurian president. It should be one free China with the first republic being the Republic of Taiwan and the capital of the new free one China, Taipei. Okay, so let's take it and put it in Xi's hat so he can smoke it. Because if we do that, it's not going to cause a conflict. He's already on a war footing with this and wants to be. I don't think they want a conflict with this kinetics because they'll lose it. However, they're winning cognitively because they're doing all these other maneuvers internal to subvert our country and external to distract us. So let me go back a little backwards in orders here. Let me start with Paul and get your thoughts on China, one free China, and also the one state solution for, for Israel. 
well, regarding Taiwan, I don't agree with you that it's a, a one nation. Taiwan has all the rights to be independent. When sh when uh, Chiang Kai-shek moved uh, from Mao uh, onto that island, and he has oh, now, so let, let me clarify, Paul. What I mean is, instead of one China policy, a one free China with a set of independent free republics, with the first free republic being the already the independent nation of ta Taiwan, but being a wholly different free China, not not the one China that Xi seeks. Back to you. Yeah, okay. Well, that, that's, that's I don't know. Uh, keep in mind, I mean, I've worked in Pacific for quite a long time. You have some of the top armies in the world, armed forces, in Japan, South Korea, okay, <laughs> Thailand. Philippines has a good military, and they have great naval fleets as well and aircraft. So uh, China knows this. He knows they're up against uh, these other countries. We have what, I'm, I think we still have two aircraft carrier groups out there, I'm not sure. I uh, said so we have a Marine division. So we do have a formidable force, but with this new hypersonic uh, technology that China has and the uh, improvement of their Navy and their Air Force, uh, they're a formidable force. And I, I think in, in our situation with our leadership now, if anything happens, I don't think we're gonna do much. We're gonna be sitting ducks out there. Uh, very, very vulnerable to the Chinese uh, and uh, their capability now. But uh, Taiwan uh, is a great nation, uh, control a lot of the semiconductors that are made in the world. I think they, their independence needs to be protected. And uh, because Lord God knows if they come under Xi and his uh, tyrannical government, it will not be the same. They will not be a free people anymore. So we have to take that into consideration. No, great, great input, Paul. Rob, back to you. Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with General Vallely that Taiwan should be, I mean, it's it has a right to be in its own independent nation. I don't care what it calls itself. If it wants to call itself the Free Republic of China, uh, more power to them. Uh, and I think we should stand uh, as an ally and support that. Uh, quite frankly, now this idea of a free China. Hey, the 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 uh, I think it's the new federated federal states of China uh, effort that I've seen uh, Steve Bannon talk about uh, and others. And everything is a great idea. We should support that. But before we can do any of those things, we have to reestablish our forces uh, as a real deterrent. Because right now. Uh, right. With the poor decision making that's coming out of Washington and the state of the forces that we have and where they're located, uh, we're not in a position to be able to strength, strongly deter China from attacking Taiwan and taking it by force. Uh, you know, we need to do things, and I've written about this in, uh, at robmanus.com several times, you know, reestablish more bomber, nuclear force bomber bases in the Pacific. We have the infrastructure to do it uh, because we had those bases. We need to reestablish uh, strategic naval stations again in north the northern Philippines and mid-Philippines even if we can. Uh, we need to start actually putting our money where our mouth is once we reestablish uh, that is make sure our Pacific War Reserves are built back up. We expended them during the 25-year yes. wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And as far as I know, they've never been replenished adequately. Uh, we need to sh continue to encourage Japan to become not just to have a national defense force, but the time is now for them to be a full-up 
viable allied military force uh, the way a NATO ally uh, is expected to be that's fully integrated and operationally, uh, strategically and tactically with the rest of our allies in the Pacific. But until we do all of those things and we're ready to do it, we don't have enough people on the chessboard and we don't have enough resources to supply those people adequately to fight a full up peer to peer combat operation to prevent China from taking Taiwan if they choose to do so right now. So, so great points, Rob. And as I turn to Mary, Mary, you know, I'm big on the cognitive warfare aspect. And what I'm hearing Rob and, and Paul say are both spot on. But the one thing we're still missing from the equation is we have no cognitive warfare capability, capacity, or expertise. We shift can that after the Cold War. And the day we cold, uh, declared victory in the Cold War, we lost it. So, Mary, what are your thoughts on China, Taiwan, and where we're going with that? Well, the first thing we have to do is stop kowtowing to China. And that goes to uh, our corporate uh, structures, et cetera. Hollywood should not be kowtowing. Big tech, Cisco, Google, Microsoft, Apple, they are funding China. We're looking at BlackRock. We're looking at J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon. How dare Jamie Dimon, as he just moves his operations into China, uh, stand up and pretend the pretense of a patriot. Uh, the, the first thing we have to do is stop funding the um, Belt and Road Initiative of China and understand uh, there's a, a saying that Lenin had. Of course, they're Leninists in China. That, that's very important. And they're saying to make sure, you know, morality can subjugate materialism, can be subjugated by materialism. Well, what we're looking at, particularly with Hunter Biden, Lenin said, he who owns the light bulb implements communism. And you can find this piece on theamericanreport.org. The perestroika deception finale was revealed in Hunter's laptop. Hunter was brokering energy deals between China and Russia. Energy is a global currency. And when you're handing our, our energy to China, and that Hunter Biden is facilitating energy deals between China and Russia while Joe Biden is closing down the spigots in the United States of America, uh, buying ever more uh, energy oil from Russia and further selling off our strategic uh, petroleum reserve. Now, that is needed should we go into a two-front war. And are we ready for that when Joe Biden is handing our uh, strategic petroleum reserve to China? No one could have imagined this, but maybe they could have. Maybe if they understood that Joe Biden came out of the Council for a Livable World, a Soviet spy operation, that is who first brought Joe Biden into office. And so as we look at what took place under the Obama-Biden administration and what's taking place now, and we see that Joe Biden, this man from the Council for a Livable World, a communist organization, a Soviet operation, uh, we now know that the Biden family was funding and taking money from both China and Russia. They were funding energy deals between China and Russia. They were bringing Rostec, Rosalborn Export, their Club K, someone who'd gone into Gulf Tainer, a, a strategic uh, agreement with them. No, so imagine you handing over our ports, Port Canaveral cargo container operations, to someone who had gone into 
a uh, uh, strategic alliance with Russia's uh, exporter of the Club K, and you're handing them our ports, and you're putting in charge someone who'd been on the Pentagon's blacklist wanted for capture or kill, and you're giving them access to our ports, and then you give them the entire port of Wilmington while you're holding tapes that came out of Iraq saying that they could get a WMD, a nuclear weapon, into Washington, D.C. Knowing all that, you bring them inside the wire. Knowing that once inside the wire with the Club K and they launch on us, and our radar points north and east, and you're bringing the enemy inside the wire while they have the Club K to launch on the United States of America, at what point will the American people wake up and understand that we have enemy actions from people inside our own government. Excellent point, Mary. And so as we go to break here, I'd like the audience to understand is that we've, we've just covered the main fronts in the global war we're dealing with, global kinetic and global cognitive war. And when we come back with our guests and two co-hosts, we're going to talk and focus domestically in terms of in America, how do we seize the narrative? What kind of proactive legislation should the next president be putting forth and how do we overhaul our national security apparatus? And what else should we've taken looking at for the 2024 election? Be sure to make all your podcasts come look at the American News daily, American News daily. You get all the podcasts on there, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, etc. And it's a one-stop shop with articles <laughs> and a variety of different uh, uh, shows besides the National Security Hour. We'll be right back. We stand at the gates of hell that global tyrants have thrust upon us. We invite you to join us to seal shut those gates and stamp out evil so that mankind may live freely. AmericaOutloud.news is your inspiration source to join the fight to take America back from the world's greatest oppressors. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back to the Mass Security Hour. In the last segment, we're just finishing up in terms of the global threats we face and some of the potential solutions we have for that. In the final minutes, in the last segment here, what we're going to move to now is what do we need to be doing domestically to seize the narrative, to drive proactive, positive legislation, and to overhaul and ask security apparatus so we can move away from the weaponization and politicization of our national security. Now, let me go to Major General Valley first here, because one of the key things in the domestic front here is the invasion, as Rob, Mary, and Paul have all pointed out. So, Paul, why don't you cover again what your proposed solutions are to shut down the cartels and shut down the border, besides the simple one of just following the law. Paul? 
Well, I think the best thing we can do from our standpoint, uh, and especially from our foundation, is to lay out support for what they call Project 2025 and uh, actions that can be taken leading up to the election. Uh, and I think that's the best we can do now is to assist uh, in that plan so that our new president will have enough information and enough thought process, cognitive, uh, that he can take the uh, steps immediately uh, upon assuming the office. I think we have to continue to connect the dots for the American people. We've got to create confidence. Uh, we've got to be awakened. We've got to understand that it's up to us at the, at the local level to make this happen. We have to really uh, lean on our uh, elected representatives to do their job, be brave, and to uh, have plans to support uh, our, our future leader after the election in 20, November 2024. So these are a lot of things, but we, we've got to have uh, at least the, the desire to stay strong, be awakened, and influence our thinking as best we can uh, to our neighbors who don't quite understand, perhaps, uh, what's happened in America or how to solve it. The question I keep uh, getting from, from everybody uh, on, on shows or back from emails is, uh, what are we going to do about it? Yeah, you've laid out all the problems like we've done today, but what are we going to do about it? Well, what we're going to do about it is what we are going to do about it. That's as people. Don't throw it on somebody else to do it. Don't throw it on somebody else at a school board or in a meeting at your city council or in, or in the state capitals. Get involved and talk to people and tell them that we have to be strong because we've got to preserve America for our future generations. Oh, absolutely right, Paul. And so, Rob, you know, you, you with the prior campaign uh, as well, you had brought up just following the law here. But let me ask you another aspect. Under U.S. Code Title 18, everyone takes an oath of office, just like you and Paul and I did. Okay, So where the hell is accountability? What are we going to do in the next administration to hold the miscreants who just completely abrogated their oath of office and ignored the law? Are we going to ever hold these people accountable? And what are your thoughts on the border? Over to you, Rob. Yeah, the border, as was we mentioned earlier, you know, uh, even way back when I first ran for office in 2013, uh, securing the border was part of the message. But the second part was all you have to do is enforce current law. You don't need new stuff. General Vallely, uh brought that point home uh, a little bit ago. Uh, you don't need new legislation. Just enforce current law. And the people that are not enforcing current law are violating their oath of office. And the number one violator is the president of the United States that's in the office today. And everybody below him, down to the worker, the agent level in the field, uh, is if they're not standing up and pushing back about not enforcing current law uh, because they're worried about protecting their retirement or their income. Uh, they need to look themselves in the mirror. You know, I've looked at myself in the mirror as, as the general just brought up, it's on us. You know, I've run for office. I, I'm active in my local political party. Uh, you know, I call my legislators by city council. I go meet with them. You know, I ask them what they're doing and what they're thinking about. Uh, and, uh, we have to do that. If we all do that, then we can make those changes and those kind of things. Uh, but I encourage people, run for office. Get out there. Write letters to the editor. Uh, go see your city councilman. Go to meetings in the neighborhood associations where the city councilman shows up and embarrass him. 
when he's not taking the right action or you ask him a question and he doesn't have the right answer. That's how we can do our own part on this. And we have to do that. You know, I signed the Declaration of Military Accountability that was released on January 1st of this year, calling on people like Millie and Austin to be court-martialed, call them back from active duty and be court-martialed to hold them accountable for their poor decision-making in the pandemic and the vaccine mandate on U.S. military uh, service members and their families, because it's devastated uh, tens of thousands of people. And they need to be held accountable. It's time for that accountability, but we're the ones that have to step up and force the people that have the power to hold these people accountable, as has been mentioned here. Nobody's doing anything about the January 6th stuff because there's a certain group in the legislature in the House of Representatives that we just elected a new one of uh, that's refusing to do anything about it. They need to be removed from those positions, whether they're staff members or elected members out. Uh, and we've got to figure out a way to do that. Oh, absolutely. I love the personal accountability that you and Paul are bringing up and, and the, the self-sacrifice. Everybody in this country has to put some level of sacrifice forward. Let's turn to Mary Fanning and get her thoughts on this on the subject. Well, Ed, we must do more. The American people must stand up. So while cognitive warfare is the opening salvo and we let people know what's taking place, Understand the government has no money that they don't confiscate from the American people. So there's a border event coming up. People can go and stand up against what's coming over our border. Uh, you can trust that the Dem cynical, cynical ploy will be to sacrifice Joe Biden for a permanent majority within 20 years. They're bringing in all sorts of illegals. You, the American taxpayer, are going to pay for that. So build the wall, close the border, stop all remittance pay payments everywhere, and deport, deport, deport. Because a country without borders is not a country. Cut off all terrorist states. Cut off all monies to China and Mexico and enforce sanctions. It's time to, to stand up, stand up America. Exactly, General Vallely, stand up America. Fantastic. And you know what? One of the key things I think that conservatives across the board continually fail to highlight is the big lie. The big lie. You know, since 1959 to 2021, there have been approximately the same 30 million people living in under poverty in the United States. Now think of that. About 30 million people. The numbers haven't changed for over 60 years. About 8 million of those are black. 22 million of those are white. Three times the number of blacks in poverty, the white population. Three times the number. But you never hear that. Why? Because it doesn't fit the narrative of the victims. Okay? Now, as you all just pointed out, you have another 12 million illegals in by the time this administration, this fraudulent administration is done. Add that to the 30 million that are already here. That's 42 million. What the Democrats are doing below our noses is creating the new plantation dependency for the 21st century, all right? But they don't ever want to address, but they use the race card the whole time. This is where Republicans just have to look at their own census data and come back and ask, why aren't we addressing poverty for all? Why aren't we addressing the 30 million Americans who are living in poverty as you open the door to 42 million illegals for which we have no infrastructure, 
no social services, no health care, no education, but you're giving it to them all for free at a cost of up to $22 trillion. That tsunami is just starting to be felt. That big lie must be exposed. And for the American public, I think they're waking up because you see 78, 80% reject how things are going right now. But they have little to understand is that, remember in 2020, every Democrat candidate raised their hand to give free health care, education, welfare to illegals. What happened to our own people in America? Let me go back and start with Rob on this one here. What are your thoughts in terms of what kind of legislation, what kind of policies do we reduce the illegals, but we also reduce the actual number of people below the poverty line in America? Well, your point, your point gets to... A couple of other issues with this big lie is not just poverty. You know, white Americans in poverty are two thirds uh, uh, bigger than black Americans in poverty. But recruiting and retention in the U.S. Armed Forces. Well, 65 percent of the population last time I checked were white people. And most of the trigger pullers, uh, bomb droppers that go into the military have traditionally been white males. Uh, That's where they come from. But. We don't want to talk about that because we have policies that are being implemented to attack that demographic and remove them from our society. See that? That we don't care about their their families being in poverty, that other two-thirds of the poverty-stricken of, uh, of, the, uh, uh, of the 30 million Americans that can't feed their kids at night. Because we want them, we being the United States government, is in a massive effort to remove them from our society as quickly as possible because they're the oppressors, if you understand my meaning. So that's the big issue is eliminating DEI across the board in every institution. You know, I got a, I mentioned a college down the road uh, from me uh, that has a DEI webpage and a big DEI effort. The only reason I know that is because my son signed up for their college and, and I look at his emails and two thirds of the emails are about the DEI program uh, and the other third only talk about the internships that white men d- need not apply for. And whether it's <laughs> it's overt or covert, the message is in there. So we, we do have to do something, eliminate DEI from every American institution, government and private. Number one, make it illegal against the law, reestablish merit across the board. We're beginning to do that. But in the military, it's lost right now. Okay? And without the military, the rest of the nation goes. It goes the same way that the military does. So we have to eliminate that. Number two, why, why do we have people in poverty that are American citizens and continue to do that? Because you mentioned it. The influx of the illegals that are politicians on both sides of the aisle. I have to keep saying this because it's not just Democrats. Okay. The powerful in the Republican Party want them here too. Okay. And it's not that we don't want people to be here. We want people to come here legally that want to be Americans. We have to reestablish policies that encourage people to legally immigrate and become Americans and buy into the American way of life and the American value system. We don't have those policies anymore, and we have to reimagine. And with that, I'll leave the stage. No, absolutely. And as I go to, to Mary here, you know what what we're hearing from from Rob is you know, the old tactic: divide and conquer. We used to be an assimilating society, a melting pot, and the Democrats want us to believe we're a divided country in a boiling pot. But 
to you, Mary, what are your thoughts on this whole topic here? We got about uh, five minutes left. Well, the American people are being brainwashed with PSYOPs day in and day out. That goes back to Barack Obama's Smith Modernization Act of 2012, where it was legal for the media to, to lie to the American people. Six entities own all of our media. But then we see Miles Guac, billionaire CCP, funding Getter, and Steve Bannon and other entities. We're being uh, sold a false bill of goods. We're not hearing the truth. We have people like uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf, who's telling everyone what to do about COVID. Dr. Wolf says she's got 3,250 scientists working for her. Dr. Wolf, Dr. Naomi Wolf, is a PhD of poetry. What is she going to do? Rhyming lullabies to get rid of COVID and cancer? It's time for the American people to be hearing the truth. The truth matters, and we have to have the truth being brought to the American people. It's time to be holding up the mainstream media as the prevaricators that they are. It's time to expose them, and also anyone who's taking money from the CCP is not working for this country. Yeah, very much so. So we have about three minutes left here for a closing uh, segment arguments here. Let me go back around the table here, starting with Paul. You know, we've talked about the global cabal and problems we're facing. And in this, this episode, we've talked about some different solutions. Of what have we missed on this, this discussion here, Paul? you got uh, about 60 seconds. What we, what we have missed is the uh, justice system in America, the two-tier justice system, uh, the lack of support, uh, the anti-defamation that's going on, or the defamation that's going on against our police forces, uh, the criminalities uh, that, uh, that are occurring, uh, we see all these rob robberies going on in Target and uh, these shopping centers, uh, and uh, uh, they get arrested, baby, but throughout the next day. We've got to replace all of these uh, delinquent and, and left-wing uh, district attorneys that aren't prosecuting the criminals. Uh, we cannot let America continue, continue to be dismantled by the criminal activity in our towns and cities. And so uh, we've got to support our police. And if necessary, we may have to use our military uh, to uh, eliminate uh, the, the rise in criminality going on in our country. So that's one of the points I, I had meant to make earlier and talk about, but I'm glad we had enough time and at least cover that. But the justice system, we need to have a good and fair justice system in America. Excellent point, Paul. And, and Rob, you've got 60 seconds. What, what did we miss covering today in terms of potential areas to solutions? Well, yeah, if the military is the core of the foundation of America, the justice system is the outer infrastructure that has helped us keep it in place as a, you know, justice being blind uh, and everything. And it's no longer that way. I mean, we, we cannot continue uh, with a justice system that's eroding and eating away uh, like a rot uh, at our society, it, it, you know, and, and the collapse will come from within if we don't get our arms around that and fix it. But the other thing that we've really missed is, uh, and Mary touched on it quite briefly, uh, is about the Belt and Road Initiative of the CCP. Uh, most Americans probably don't know that the Communist Chinese Party uh, controls the Panama Canal. Think of that. Think of that choke point that we have relied upon our entire our entire lives. Uh, okay, but well, the Chinese Communist Party. 
and controls the Panama Canal, when things do start going south internally in this country, and we're looking to be able to move our logistics forces and our military forces back and forth uh, from a service surface vessel perspective, that's going to get closed down. And that will that will cut our logistics capability lines uh, to a point where it will be very difficult for us to be able to handle what's going on internally in the in the country. And then the second thing I'll I'll bring up is that uh, electromagnetic pulse and the vulnerability of our electric grid. We have not addressed that, and that is the number one uh, course of action choice for the beginning of any type of warfare, whether it's it's non kinetic or kinetic. Uh, of the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Liberation Army is to conduct an EMP attack on the United States of America. And if you haven't read the book One Second After, you got to go read it. And the American, the average American doesn't really understand the vulnerabilities that we have there. And those two things and things like them all around the world of this Belt and Road Initiative uh, that the Chinese Communist Party is conducting uh, is setting us up to be strangled logistically, command and control, uh, and uh, from a military force perspective, if we ever have to do anything internally in the country, and I'm with General Vallely, we shouldn't be uh, timid about using our armed forces to uh, uh, do law enforcement here in the United States. We've done it before. The riots out in, in California. I have friends that were captains uh, during that, uh, and they had to be. It had to be done. We should do it if we need to. Excellent points, Rob. And and back to you, Mary, for closing thirty seconds here. Yes, go back to Barack Obama and Joe Biden, who brought the Club K into this country, which is I worked with Dr. Peter Pry, who had been the head of our Congressional EMP Commission. What a danger that is, because those Club Ks can launch an EMP, and that goes right in line with unrestricted warfare, the Chinese plan to take down the United States of America. So you're looking at Barack Obama and Joe Biden for putting this in place. Well, excellent comments all. Thank you very much, Mary Fanning, Major General Paul Valet, and Rob Manis. It's been a great discussion here and great two episodes here. Remember, for our listeners, I'm here on the National Security Hour to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I'll go outside of the fog of the daily chaos to give you a strategic perspective on national security issues and speak truth to power, the power of we the people, so we together can best ensure the resilience and security of our republic. Thanks for joining us on the mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America.